Hello, kitties. Today's episode is all about community. This is Alice Cooper. The Alice Cooper community. And you better listen because I know where you live. The Daily Detour. Headlines and entertainment on your schedule. Featuring music by our house band, Quickie. And now, your host, Dan Roberts. Here we go. It's a special all-Alice Cooper edition of The Daily Detour. If you're a fan, you're really going to enjoy this. If you're a listener of mine who's not into Alice Cooper, you certainly know that I am, and this will give you a chance to really get inside of my head and see what's wrong in there. My guest today is Latricia Lenhart. She is the founder of the Alice Cooper Army, and we'll play some fun uh, games that you can play along with. And also on the show today, from my personal archives, a throwback interview with the master of shock rock himself, Alice Cooper. And this is a version that never, ever aired on any radio station. It's a little bit longer, a little bit longer than what made the airwaves. And I realized in listening to it, in preparing it for this podcast, we hit on some things, and uh, Alice described things in a way that I'm not sure I've heard him do in other interviews, which is difficult to do. Not that I've heard every interview with the man, but I've, I've heard a lot of them. Oh, you bet. So all of that's coming up, but of course, we always start the show with good news. So let me tell you why the villain of rock and roll is actually a real-life hero, or, you know, at least a good role model. If you're a teenager in Phoenix, Arizona, really, if you're anywhere between the ages of 12 and 20, you can get music and art lessons, dance training, instruction in photography or film for free, absolutely free at the Rock Teen Center, operated by Alice Cooper's Solid Rock organization. Now, the goal of Solid Rock is very simple. Offer young people a supportive community and a place to grow and explore the arts and, you know, stay out of trouble. It's a positive influence on the community there in Phoenix, Arizona. And another location opens in Mesa, Arizona this year after being delayed because of COVID. Uh, Unfortunately, the coronavirus, you know, has stopped so many things from happening or postponed them. uh, And it has also kind of put a damper on fundraising. It's very hard to raise money, have like in-person events, golf tournaments, concerts, that kind of thing. And so Alice Cooper's Solid Rock did something interesting. They teamed up with a dairy and they're raising their much needed funds by selling milk, milk at the grocery store with Alice Cooper's face right there on the bottle, makeup and all. Because, you know, good cause or not, you got to keep uh, you got to keep it rock and roll. And really, as wholesome as it sounds, even milk bottles can be turned into a weapon in the world of Alice Cooper. Check out the song Generation Landslide for details on that. Anyway, that's what's going on there in Arizona. Alice Cooper, Cheryl Cooper, sometime teaching classes for teens at the Solid Rock Teen Center, along with famous friends like uh, Rob Halford popping in once in a while. See, he's not such a bad guy, right? He just looks scary. All right, we'll skip the headlines and punchlines for this week. Back to normal next week. Uh, I do have some music news for you. Guess who has a new album out? Not Pat Boone, not Donny Osmond, no! Alice Cooper, whose face was projected like the bat signal on buildings all over the world last week to promote Detroit Stories, his new album. And the marketing worked. People got the message. Detroit Stories entered the U.S. charts at number 30, which is no small feat, really, when you look at the competition. And Alice, uh, you know, he's not new on the scene exactly. So that's respectable. Hopefully we see it climb. But number four in the UK, huge. Number three in Australia, number one in Germany, which if you're a fan like me, you know, the charts don't really matter as long as you get to enjoy it. But at the same time, it's cool to see your rock and roll hero get a win like that. As it sounds, Detroit Stories is a tribute to the Motor City. It features guest spots from all kinds of Detroit musicians, as well as members of the original Alice Cooper group, who really blew up in Detroit. Blues guitarist Joe Bonamassa is on there, U2 drummer Larry Mullen Jr., and Sister Sledge singing backup vocals on a great song, which I'll get into with my guest today. And I sent away for the album, and it hadn't even been delivered to my house yet when news came that another album already in the works, already in the planning stages. And this one will be written and recorded for the very first time with Alice's much-respected and fan-favorite touring band. So Ryan Roxy, Nita Strauss, Tommy Henriksen, Glenn Sobel, Chuck Garrick, 
finally all together making music not just on the stage but for an album and longtime producer Bob Ezrin at the wheel once again. So I look forward to that. But let's get into it. Let's get into our Alice Cooper fandom. My guest is Latricia Lenhart. She's the founder of the first and biggest Alice Cooper fan group on Facebook, the Alice Cooper Army. Before this interview, we never ever spoken to each other. Didn't know about each other. But as you'll hear, we have a lot in common thanks to Alice Cooper. Thank you so much for doing this today. We we don't know each other. I just I reached out yeah. to you. All we know is we both love Alice Cooper. Yep. So tell me about yourself. What, what how did you uh how did you first discover Alice Cooper? Uh that would probably be thanks to my brother. He yeah. was he's 16 years older than me. Okay. And when he was little, my mother had a Alice Cooper band in the house. She saw a record for sale at Kmart. It was Killer. Oh, yeah. And she was like, absolutely not. No, 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 no. Oh. So growing up, he was always the older brother. I always looked up to him. And he was playing Alice Cooper in in the basement. So the first song I ever heard was Cold Ethel. (laughs) I was 14 years old. Biggest prude on the planet. And I was absolutely disgusted. (laughs) (laughs) But the melody at the beginning is so catchy. That as I was leaving the basement, halfway across the floor, it had started playing over, and I ended up walking back to hear the first part, and it, after I got used to the theme, I, I was hooked. Yeah, I'd heard rumors about Cold Ethel before I'd ever actually heard it, and I do remember seeing the Alice Cooper comic book on the racks from Marvel, Marvel premiere, whatever, mm-hmm. number 50 or something, and I was not yeah. I, I, I was not going to purchase that comic book. It freaked me out, right? <laughs> And then uh, later on, I, I bought the Greatest Hits album because I just wanted Schools out. And there's nothing, if you think about it, there's nothing on that Greatest Hits album that says this guy's a shock rocker, he's into horror, and that kind of thing. I mean, there's some, there's naughty stuff like Muscle of Love, maybe, but there's there's no real horror on there. And then I just, yeah. someone uh, said I had to listen to Welcome to My Nightmare, and then I was like all in with Vincent Price and all that stuff, and, and that probably really kick-started the whole Alice obsession. That's funny that neither one of yeah. us, we were both kind of uh, not into it at first. Yeah, I was a little reluctant. My brother did end up giving me the album, uh, Welcome to My Nightmare, to listen to, and I'd get to a song, and if I hadn't heard him play it before, I'd just skip over it. I was a casual fan at that point. I did get one or two albums for Christmas through the years, but when Along Came a Spider came out, I'm not even sure where I heard about it. Maybe the radio. Um, they were talking about the premise of a serial killer that was obsessed with spiders. I myself have always been a spider magnet. So <laughs> I was like, I'm going to check this out. And our local record shop before it closed was selling it the day. Well, I went there the day it came out. I camped out in the parking lot for 15 minutes because they weren't open yet. I walked through the door and it hadn't been put out. It was still in the box. I bought it, brought it home, looked at the artwork gorgeous colors, got home, listened to it. And that was what pulled the trigger for me that turned me into a casual fan of, oh, I'm not going to go out of my way to listen to his stuff to I must now own everything he's ever put out. Right. (laughs) That's awesome. I had good timing on my end because about the time that I got into him, he started. Now, when I look back, there really wasn't a big gap between Alice Cooper albums. But he wasn't getting a lot of press necessarily. And so, you know, I got into the greatest hits and all that stuff. And then suddenly, Constrictor came out. And the MTV uh, MTV aired uh, the the Nightmare Returns concert. And so I, I feel like I had really good timing for getting into this guy that none of my peers were into at the time. Because suddenly oh, he yeah. was on the comeback trail. And then it was just, you know, three albums later or two albums, after, you know after Constrictor, that uh, Trash came out and he had a top 40 hit with Poison and all that good stuff. So. See, I'm a little jealous. You got to him before I did. That's okay. That, that's a beautiful thing about artists that have a large back catalog. You can really immerse yourself in the artist. I mean, you can grab their latest title, but then if you really like them, it's not such a long wait between albums because you get to experience it all fresh. I assume the answer to this question is yes, but have you ever dressed up as Alice Cooper? Absolutely. I'm a cosplayer, so yeah, I, I definitely have. That answers my next question, too, because I was going to say, was it? have you ever dressed up like him when it wasn't Halloween? Yes, 
every year for his birthday, I dress up like him and take pictures. Oh my gosh. And then what do you, do you send them? Do you tag him in the photos or what happens? No, I actually post them in the army because I think other people like play his music all day. Some people, you know, bake cookies and decorate them with Alice Cooper stuff. Yeah. I just basically post them on social media. That's one of my favorite things. Uh, when I worked at this uh, radio station, we had a friend of the show that owned a bakery and for all of our birthdays, she would do special things. And for my birthday, uh, she brought in a bunch of cookies, two of which were Alice Cooper cookies, which was awesome. So I appreciate that. Um, what? How did the Alice Cooper uh, Army Facebook group come about? Um, Desperation, basically. I had recently gotten obsessed with him and his music, and nobody around me other than my brother knew who he was. Oh, my gosh. So shortly after creating my Facebook account, I basically figured out that you could create groups. And I said, well, maybe, you know, someone's going to see this somewhere and I'll have someone to talk to. So I basically just wanted to create a place where people that were fans of his could commune and talk and share their favorite songs and post photos and stuff. And it started off like 20 members in two weeks and then just took off. It went from that to... I think it's up to 24,000 now. Are you kidding me? I didn't even know that. Wow. I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's... It was the first Facebook group for Alice Cooper to actually hit Facebook. And it's the biggest in existence that I know of. Well, it's awesome. I really enjoy it. I'm, I'm more of a lurker. I mean, I, I, I like people's... I might comment on something, I guess. I don't usually... Uh, I'm not good about participating in the surveys. Like, sometimes it's just hard for me to come up with uh, my top five or whatever. I have thought about it for today. But I definitely like people's pictures and sometimes share them. And it's amazing... After a lifetime obsessed with Alice Cooper, you'd think uh, I would have seen everything. But, you know, people still manage to post photos that they've dug up somewhere that I've never seen before in my life, which is so cool. Yeah, I, I've run across that myself. Just when I think I've seen everything, there's someone that posts a photo that maybe they bumped into him when he was coming out of the dressing room in the 60s or 70s. And it's like, this is they've stopped and talked to this person. And here's a photo of it. It's like, how have I never seen this before? Right. Exactly. And the other thing is, I always thought, I mean, in high school, everyone knew I liked Alice Cooper. Uh, you know, on the radio, my audience, even though we weren't even a classic rock station, my audience knew that I was into Alice. Co like everyone knows, if you think of one thing with me, it's probably that. And so I really thought I was one of the biggest Alice Cooper fans in the world. Then you meet other fans at concerts or you see their posts in the Alice Cooper uh, Army Facebook group. Yeah. And like, I'm not even in the top 100 fans. Like there are people that have <laughs> way more memorabilia and have seen way more. They're like, like Alice is their grateful dead. There's people that have been to so many shows in a single year, you know, and I get like, I'm lucky if I get one in a year. So what, what's it? Yeah. What, what surprised you about the Alice Cooper fans out there, and that you found out through the group? Um, their dedication. Um, a lot of people like bands nowadays, and it seems like they're into them for a couple months, a couple albums, and then they just jump ship. Yeah, I feel like Alice Cooper fans are one of the few fan bases that basically stay loyal. It's like, sure, he puts out songs you might not like or might not be fond of but you're still a fan. I mean, you're still posting, you're still talking about it. It's, it's just amazing. And I've noticed Alice Cooper fans tend to be some of the nicest fans and more accepting uh, than most people. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, that's probably true. I think it helps also that as far as uh, loyalty, it helps that Alice has never really let up. I mean, there's always been an album, maybe a few years went before. Now he's on this track, especially with the Hollywood vampires being out there, He's on this track where you're getting an album like every other year. And we already know he's like Detroit Stories just came out. And we already know that he's going to be working on a new album with the Alice Cooper group that he tours with for the first time, like everybody on the yeah. album. So I'm super excited about that. And like you said, you may not like like this will ruffle some feathers because I know this is a popular album. Brutal Planet is not one of my favorite Alice Cooper albums, but there's always always one or two songs that I can pull from it and add to my playlist. Like, you know, this isn't my favorite album, but, but there's some gems on here. Oh yeah. What's your least favorite Alice Cooper album? Uh, probably Pretties for you. <laughs> yeah. That's going back. Is that the first one? That's the first one. Easy action yeah. or that? I know I kept a lot of flop for it. Um, easy action was the second album. Okay. Uh, Pretties for you just 
mainly because he's kind of all over the place. There's one song he sounds like the Beatles. There's one song he sounds like the Rolling Stones. <laughs> he didn't really have his style yet. Yeah. And it's just, it's kind of hectic and chaotic and hippy dippy and all over the place. And it's just like, there's one or two songs on it that I like, but pretty much the rest of it is like, eh, I have it because to have as part of my collection. Right. And that's pretty much it. That's me too. And I, I don't even have it. Like I have the first two albums on cassette and I never bothered to purchase them in a better format because I just wasn't, I knew I wasn't going to listen mm -hmm. to them. For me, it all starts with love it to death. I think, mm -hmm. you know, I love everything after that in one way, shape or form. Um, what's your favorite Alice Cooper album? Uh, oh God. <laughs> I don't know that I can honestly say I have a favorite. I have a couple favorites. Um, it goes back and forth between the first nightmare, the second nightmare, and along came a spider. Right. I, those billion dollar babies are probably my favorite. Yeah, billion, see, billion dollar babies is my answer. But it, you're right; it could change on any given day. It's it is tough. The nice thing about one of the cool things about Alice too, which probably helps with the loyalty, you know, he's into themes for his albums. Mm -hmm. And even if the story is somewhat abstract, there's still a story in there. And there's like this mythology that builds up over time and uh, is kind of uh, acted out in concert. Um, I remember uh, the like uh, Hard Hearted Alice. That's the first time I ever heard an artist sing about themselves seemingly in a song. But it's the character of Alice. Mm -hmm. And then you've got characters like Steven that pop up occasionally like Steven was uh welcome to my nightmare one and two and then also uh Alice Cooper goes to hell so there's you know there's this storytelling going on which is uh very cool as well it just adds an extra dimension to it yeah yeah and then the theatricality of it all when you see it on stage let's see I'm going to give you some Alice Cooper this or that so you're gonna have to make some tough choices here oh boy okay uh teenage Frankenstein or feed my Frankenstein and you have to justify your choice which do you prefer? Feed My Frankenstein, because I think I ran into that song first, and I just love the overall imagery. It kind of goes back to the cold Ethel roots for me, because the first time I ever heard it, I was shocked yeah. by what he was saying. <laughs> do I dare ask what part of it shocked you? Uh, let me drink wine from her fur teacup. Right. That, that line just... <laughs> <laughs> which, by the, yeah, which, by the way, my favorite uh, line in an Alice Cooper song in recent memory is on uh, the Detroit Stories album, and it's drunken in love, and I'll probably get it slightly wrong, so I'll just say I'm paraphrasing, but the opening line of the song is, uh, first time I saw you, I pissed my pants. <laughs> or when I first saw you, I pissed my pants. That is hilarious. And also, uh, that's, I mean, Alice is up there in years now. It's nice to see he hasn't mellowed or, or lost his sense of humor, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, this or that, Cold Ethel or I Love the Dead? Oh, gosh. Depending on the given day, it could go back and forth, but I know you need an answer. I'm going to say Cold Ethel just because I heard that song before I Love the Dead. I love both equally, almost. I love seeing them both live, so it's a real... I'm, I'm going to say Cold Ethel, but it's a hard choice. Yeah. They're, they're totally different vibes, too. But Cold Ethel is funny. I Love the Dead so is the one that's not really too... I guess it is still sort of funny, but it's more of a morbid... I don't know. Cold Ethel is just comedy. It's also yeah. morbid, but it's very much comedy. This or that, Lost in America or I Love America? Um, Lost in America... I got into a point in my life where I was stuck because I needed a job to make money to buy a car, but I needed a way to get to work. <laughs> right. And I couldn't buy a car because I didn't have to get it for, from a job because I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> so I think everybody at some point can relate to that song. So yeah, Lost in America. Yeah. And it's definitely the more, it's the rock and one of the two. Although I do love the line. Yeah. I love that mountain with them four big heads. And I love, I love uh, Velveeta slapped on Wonder Bread. That's pretty funny from I Love America. Yeah. Uh, this or that. This isn't a song. This is uh, stage props. This or that. Guillotine or gallows. So head cut off. Oh, that's or easy. Guillotine. 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 Yeah, it's really the best one. What's next? So we know he gets electrocuted and he gets hung. Which which would be your runner up? Probably electrocuted just because I haven't seen that 
and his shows near as much as seeing him get hung. Right. Yeah, I had to pick guillotine first because me and my father a couple years back actually built a fully functional guillotine that we actually have in our basement. When you say fully functional, you mean like a magic one like Alice where no one gets hurt or one that you use to like cut up cantaloupe? If you stick anything in that, it will cut it off. We used a real steel (laughs) piece for the blade. It's got a rope and pulley system. It's Yeah. We actually tested it out on squash that we had grown in our garden. Oh, my gosh. It made a lot of noise. And it obliterated those things. Where, so, yeah. And where is your guillotine now? It's still in our basement. And when people come over, like new people, what do they say when they see it? Like, what's the reaction? Why do you have this? And can I leave now? <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I had a couple of people want to put their arms in it. I'm like, no, please don't. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, that just seems so, so much could go wrong. But that's I love that in a way. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's bragging rights right there. Um, I don't even know what you call Alice Cooper's, like the traditional makeup, but the this or that would be Alice's spider eyes or his other eyes. Oh, I like both. Um, I'd say the original circles with the lines, just because he used those in the nightmare period. And that's what I'm most familiar with. Now, I do love his spider eyes. The ones he did for the Along Came a Spider album. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you all the way on that answer. Um, album art, which do you, which, this or that, the greatest, they're both by Drew Struzan, by the way, who, if you don't know, but you probably do, but if you don't know, he's done like all these great movie posters for like Back to the Future, like any movie poster from the 80s pretty much is done by Drew Struzan. And he also did the art for Alice Cooper's Greatest Hits and Alice Cooper's Welcome to My Nightmare. So this or that, which art do you prefer, Greatest Hits or Welcome to My Nightmare? Welcome to my nightmare. Hands down. It is iconic. I love the colors. Yeah. And I could easily go with either one. I'm going to say the greatest hits album simply because I love all the cameos, like all the old movie stars on there. And then knowing that he was Mm -hmm. friend, like Groucho Marx is on there and knowing that he was friends with Groucho Marx. I just kind of like, it's like an Easter egg or something for me, I guess. Alice Cooper books. Bob Green's billion oh. <laughs> Bob Green's billion dollar baby book or the Golf Monster book. The Golf Monster book. I've read that thing front to back, I don't know how many times. I I don't know, there's just something about it. Hearing everything that happened through his perspective and his point of view, I I don't I don't have a reason. I just I really prefer that one. What's your favorite story or fun fact from the book? You you don't pull any punches, do you? Um, probably his story on how he met Elvis. Oh, do you remember it? Yeah. (laughs) Where he, uh, he said, now point this gun at me. And then he showed him how he took it away from him. He's like, yeah, that's real nice. Can can you get off me now? (laughs) (laughs) I don't really remember this. You'll, you'll be able to tell this better. I don't know if it's much of a story. It's just a nice piece of trivia though. Knowing that Alice loves the Beatles as any rocker of his age was kind of influenced by the Beatles and you can hear it. In some Alice Cooper's, like, I think you, to me, it almost sounds like Paul McCartney when he's singing on uh, the School's Out song, Alma Mater, and it has yeah. kind of Beatlesque production with the rain, you know, you can hear the raindrops and stuff like that. But um, he had a round bed, and I don't remember why he had a round bed. I guess it, it probably, it was the 70s, and, every, you know, there was, you know, here's a rotating bed, probably. Uh, but Paul McCartney had a round room, and Alice said, oh, I have the perfect bed for you then yeah i think paul ends up with it from alice because alice had it from frank zappa and it didn't really fit in with yeah but you know if frank zappa gives you something you take it right sure that's like the rock star version of uh re-gifting i guess <laughs> thanks thanks a lot frank no i no don't i love it i don't know where i'm going to put it but i love it lots of so that whole yeah. thing i i think there's a mythology to alice's life too as a fan you're like you know all these tidbits and they're really cool and there's the kind of uh, a hero's journey, if you will, of, of Vincent Fernier and the whole battle with drugs and alcohol and, uh, you know, signing himself up in the hospital, writing an album out of that. That's one of his craziest and best albums. Um, I mean, there's just a lot to hang on to when you're talking about Alice Cooper. Yeah. 
Let's, Plenty of material. Yeah. This or that. Prince of Darkness, the movie Prince of Darkness, or Wayne's World. Both feature Alice Cooper. What's your what's your favorite? Wayne's World. Yeah. Prince of Darkness was okay. I have it. I've seen it. It's just uh, <laughs> it wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. The whole the, the it had a strong X factor for me. Whereas Wayne's World, he's playing himself. He's in a very casual setting, and he's basically given a lot of praise and attention. I prefer that over Prince of Darkness for sure. Yeah, me too. It's not even one of my favorite John Carpenter movies. So yeah, Wayne's World wins that for sure. Uh, I think these are two similar songs in theme. So which do you prefer, this or that? Hello, Hooray or Sideshow from The Last Temptation? Oh my God. I love both. Um, I'm going to say Sideshow just because I think it's, it's quicker, it's peppier, and I feel like Hello, Hooray has been played in concert so much. Yeah. That Sideshow is really the more obscure song out of those two. Totally. But it's such a great song. I love it. Like, it's got the acoustic guitar in there before it goes full out rocker. You know what I mean? Like, it's just got a lot of texture to it. This or that, Welcome to My Nightmare 1 or 2? Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It would vary from day to day. I love both. Um, I actually... And I I can confirm this because uh, one of the meet and greets I had with him, he confirmed it for me. On the Ghouls Gone Wild artwork, it has a spider on it, Black Widow. It has General right at the top of the um, artwork. I think it was part of a ticket, says General Admission. But Admission, oddly enough, is cut off. And it has the date of the show, October 23rd, 1980-something or other. My birthday is October 23rd, 1984. So when I met Alice, knowing he picks everything for a reason, I said, what is this last number I need to know? Because I didn't even tell him what my birthday was. He said, it's a four. Goes ahead and writes it and and signs it. And I said, now I know. There's the Alice Cooper army that you're well aware of. Technically, I'd be the general, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I have to know why you did this. And as soon as he heard Alice Cooper army, he got the biggest grin on his face. And would not say a damn thing. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, there it is. Um, Music-wise, I'd have to go with one, just because I have a, a deep space in my heart for that album. Yeah. Artwork, I don't want to say two over one. It's like having one all over again, but a little better, if that makes any sense, artwork-wise. Yeah, I'm more, I'm more of the original on that, but I, I'm probably the original in both counts. But I love Welcome to My Na- Nightmare too. Okay. And I love, so I want to. I, I, I definitely want to get the word out about Detroit Stories. And uh, there's a song that sounds odd at first, which is Our Love Will Change the World. I think that's the one I'm thinking of. Like, it doesn't sound like an Alice Cooper song necessarily on first listen, especially after all these years. But to me, uh, it kind of fits in with like a Department of Youth from uh, the first Nightmare album. I don't know. What, yeah. Have you, I assume you have Detroit Stories already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite track? I have the CD. Um, so far, there's a couple that have been I've been playing repeatedly. Um, I love Hail Mary. Yeah. I love Don't Give Up. Yep. And I love, for some reason, and I don't know why, $1,000 High Heel Shoes. <laughs> it's my favorite song on the album. It just, <laughs> it just sounded reminiscent of the humor he had in some of the songs on off of Dirty Diamonds. Oh, sure. It just sounded like it would have fit right in there. A hundred percent. But to me, it also sounds like it, I could hear Teenage Lament 74 going right into that, partially because of the the background singers, which is Sister Sledge. I heard that somewhere, so I hope it's true. I, so, yeah. On Thousand Dollar High Heel Shoes. Yeah, and it's so good. Yeah, I love that. I, I pretty much love the whole album, and I haven't absorbed it all yet. I Like, I keep, you know, you get, I get halfway through the album, and then I have to leave the house or something, so I haven't spent as much time with uh, the second half. Oh, I Hate You is really fun, too. Oh, yeah, I don't know how I, I missed, I've, I missed mentioning that one. That That's definitely high up on my list. I Hate You almost sounds as if they had bitterness through the years, and it's like a group therapy session. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's hilarious. It's the band trading insults with each other. Yeah. It almost sounds like a Suicidal Tendencies song or some punk song. It's very punk. Yeah. And then it's poignant, too, because the last person that they criticize 
is the the one band member that's no longer with us. Sure. And the reason that they hate him is because he's no longer there. So it's it's a funny punk song. It's also, you know, really kind of sweet. Yeah, that was the one line that stuck with me the first time I heard it. I was kind of like bopping to it in my car. And then when he was like, we're, we're filled with rage for the empty space you left on stage, I was like, oh, that hurt. Yeah, I think it's a cool album. And I love that they're already looking for You don't have to wonder if there's going to be another Alice Cooper album because they've already told us yes. Yeah. And they've already dropped the Easter egg that, the, you know, Nita Strauss and Tommy and Bisto Blanco and Ryan Roxy, like, uh, I'm leaving out uh, the drummer. Help me out. Help me out, Latricia. Yes, thank you. Good Blunt God. <laughs> He rocks. He's like one of the best drummers in the world. I was just having a brain fart moment. But yeah, they'll all be on the album. So that's if you're like me, I've been wishing for that for forever because this team of players has been with them. Like every tour I've seen for I don't know how long now. You know, like to me, they are. I missed out on the original Alice Cooper group as far as them touring together. Mm -hmm. So for me, this is my Alice Cooper group because they've been the consistent presence in my concert going what? it's a very solid group too oh it's the best anybody i talk to even non-alice cooper fans they're like well one thing about alice is he hires the best musicians so like yeah. he has a reputation for that you know yeah. sometimes i wonder the one question i've never I, I got to interview him once i think i'll i'll dig that up and play it uh on this podcast but um i always wonder if he it, it's a catch-22 like the whole alice cooper image because it turns a lot of people off, or at least it did at one point, but also it got them all that. That's how they got their attention and their success at first. But I sometimes wonder if he felt, feels held back by it or, or not now, but like ever did, you know, Yeah. which might explain like releases like you and me, th- things like that. But on the other hand, nowadays, it's all about niche, like finding your niche. And like you said, Alice Cooper fans are very loyal. So if he had broader appeal, he wouldn't be able, I don't think he'd be making, like they wouldn't care about his latest releases. Yeah. But he knows he's got X number of hundreds of thousands or more fans that, that are going to buy every copy and buy every concert ticket. So, yeah, yeah job security. Okay. Uh, oh, I know. What's your what's your favorite piece of uh, Alice Cooper memorabilia that you own, Latricia? Wow. I'm, I'm looking at most of it right now. <laughs> My room is a museum, I think, for everything I've ever owned of his. Um, probably it would be a toss between the 7-Eleven, 1975-1977 Slurpee Cups. I don't have those. Just because not many people have those. What's on those cups? What is the artwork? One of the cups is the triangle with him holding his top hat out, like the Nightmare artwork. Yeah. It's a white cup with, like, yellow and green in the background. And then the other cup is just a cartoon image of his face wearing a top hat, uh, his makeup, a white tank top, but it's got like this red orange splatter behind him as a backdrop. That's cool. Wow. And I have a general hat I bought from, believe it or not, a Halloween shop that he's actually signed the bill of. Very nice. Yeah. Even though it's not got anything to do with him, that, that was all for me. That's fantastic. I don't, for me, it would be, uh, I don't know what it would, I mean, I like guess my first uh, autographed concert program with him and uh, Kip Winger autographed it, and I didn't get Kane Roberts. I got Ken Mary, who was the drummer at the time. That might have been Raise Your Fist and Yell mm-hmm. for Ken Mary. I don't know. So that's a thing. That's right. Uh, yeah. The Alice Cooper comic book that I was so afraid of as a kid, I finally purchased it, you know, in a used comic bin, and that I like a lot. And I will tell you, you have the guillotine. Uh, the oddest thing that I have in my collection, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, this is nothing that I would ever seek out for myself. If I had the ability to grab this, I would not have done it. But my friend <laughs> worked at one of the concert venues. So Alice had like, a, on this particular night anyway, Alice had a, like a like a towelette or a, t- or a paper towel or something that he'd wiped his makeup off with. Mm-hmm. And my friend... <laughs> snatched it up and put it in a frame and gave it to me. And I always, I always joke that, uh, you know, God forbid Alice, anything ever happened to Alice, I can clone him because I have his, his DNA in a frame. It's funny. You had something like that. A friend of mine went to a concert in New York and one of the, I think she said it was Tommy Henriksen wiped his face off on a short little hand towel 
and threw it and she managed to get it and she sent it to me in the mail. So she said, do not wash this. It has his sweat on it. That's pretty funny. That's pretty I was like, cool. What am I supposed to do with this? I, I hung know. it up on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, you know, think mine's in a frame. So that's good. Good for that. Uh, and it is so odd. And, but I, yet I love that I have it now. You know what I mean? Like, again, I would never have even thought yeah. to do that, but it's pretty fun. How many times have you met Alice? Um, it was supposed to be three, but I plans fell through and I didn't make it. I think it's just been twice. I had a meet and greet at a concert, and then he did an appearance at the Comic-Con in Philadelphia two years ago. Yeah. And I managed to go to that. I've met him a couple times, and I was lucky enough to do a phone interview with him, which was like a dream come true. Um, but I would love to, you know, I'd love another dream if I can have one. <laughs> I'd love to talk to him again because uh, there's so much to talk about. More with Alice Cooper, Army founder Latricia Lenhart coming up in just a bit. Play along and see how you would answer the uh, Alice Cooper would you rather questions that I throw her away. But right now, let's go back in time. Uh, during my radio career, I've been very fortunate to meet some of my favorite celebs, but no one is a bigger deal to me than Alice Cooper. No one else is getting their own podcast episode. It's an Alice Cooper takeover of the Daily Detour. And back when he was bringing the Eyes of Alice Cooper tour to Seattle, Washington, to the Emerald City, I was handed the golden ticket to my fanboy dreams. I got to interview the Coop, the Prince of Darkness, Hollywood vampire, and the nicest guy in rock and roll. Enjoy. Hey, Dan. Hi there. How you doing? Alice Cooper. Yeah. I'm doing very good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You're out on the road right now? Uh, yeah, we're in doing our last Canadian show tonight. We've been here for about three weeks in Canada. Excellent. So uh, we're just about loonied and toonied out. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I can't tell you what an honor this is. I'm, I'm a very, very big fan. I have like all your CDs, and when I say oh, that... Oh, thank you. Not exaggerating. Uh, that's great. Thank you. You're very uh, We'll be doing a ton of those stuff in the show. You know, a lot of... Uh, a lot of the original stuff, and then, of course, you know, a lot of stuff from uh, from the new album. Well, you, you have a new CD out. It's been out for a little while now, The Eyes of Alice Cooper. Right. What can we expect as far as the stage show itself that you're supporting this album with? Well, I mean, you know, it's anytime you've seen Alice Cooper, you know it's going to be a stage show, especially Absolutely. at Halloween. Yeah. You know, I'm encouraging, certainly encouraging the audience to come dressed for Halloween. Excellent. Because, I mean, if I can't throw a Halloween party, nobody can. Yeah, you got that right. So, I mean, we're going to provide the music and the show, and they're supposed to provide being in the Halloween spirit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, straight jackets, pythons, a uh, little bit of Kill Bill, a little bit of West Side Story, a little bit of, <laughs> you know, everything happens in the show. The running joke is that Alice should get killed by a giant kitchen sink falling on him. Because everything else is in the show except the kitchen sink. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and that hasn't been done. You've done the no, hanging, you've done the electric. kind of a good chair. idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, speaking of you know all the ways that Alice gets punished over the years, has there ever been any close calls? Because those are kind of potentially oh, yeah. dangerous stunts. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm telling you what, if you're in our show and you don't know where to be at the right time, you get skewered many different ways. I mean, there's weapons everywhere on stage. <laughs> I mean, it's just sort of part of the character Alice feels comfortable when he's armed. <laughs> so if you were to put a, a set of golf clubs on the stage, uh -huh. Alice wouldn't see those as golf clubs. He would see those as weapons. Right. You know. Right. I would see them as golf clubs, but Alice would certainly see them as weapons. Okay, well, there you go. Now, see, so you have a habit of referring to Alice as well, another yeah, person. Well, yeah, not Alice now. Right. Yeah. So what's the deal with that? How does that work? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, Alice could care less about going to the mall or going shopping or going to play golf or going to the movies. Alice only cares about one thing, and that's the audience. His total thing is to dominate the audience. And, and he does a good job. I don't hang out with Alice at all. you know. But the moment that I turn around and the audience is there, I become Alice, and that is, that's the character. Then everything changes. Posture, attitude, sense of humor, everything changes. Yeah. And as soon as I walk off the stage and Alice is gone, that's it. It can be me again. That's part of the creativity of having a schizo character like that. And, and, and in all reality, every entertainer I know has that. It's just I've developed mine a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, I've met everybody in this business. You know, you meet Rob Zombie. We were on stage together one time. And, I mean, backstage we were talking about horror movies and stuff like that. The minute 
I hit stage, I became Alice, and he became Rob Zombies, and it was like the werewolf versus Dracula. Right. It was who who was gonna who was dominating the stage, and you know one wasn't gonna let the other one do it. <laughs> that would be a great show. Well, it is. I'd like to get that tour together sometime. So if I'm not speaking to Alice Cooper, who am I speaking to right no, now? No, I'm just it's, I'm Alice, but I'm not <laughs> that Alice. Right. I not, guess maybe I'm Coop, you know. Right. Everybody just goes, hey, Coop, how you doing? What's going on? Hit the ball, Coop, whatever. I was actually uh, trying to trick you into giving me the pronunciation of your last name. I've just real last seen, name? The real last name. Fournier. Fournier. Yeah. Oh, awesome, awesome. Now, do you do anything to get into character now, or it's probably just... you can? Just I watch really, really bad kung fu movies. <laughs> I'm talking really bad. I'm talking like Seven Golden Vampires versus the Shaolin... Right. Dra- drunk monkey, you know, right? the really bad stuff. And I've been doing that for about 10 years now, and I think I've gone through 2,000 bad kung fu movies, and they just keep coming. <laughs> I don't think I've even dented the catalog. Wow. Do you know how many of those movies they made? Yeah, I wouldn't know. You'd have a better idea than me. Unbelievable. I'm sure. And how many of them does the dialogue match up? None. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, part of the charm of it. Yeah. But... In all reality, the Kung Fu is actually better than Bruce Lee's in a lot of ways because it's more creative. It's actually more theatrical. They were doing wires way a long time ago, way before, you know, Crouching Tiger. Oh, right, right. Yeah. So when you get like nine flying vampires, <laughs> you know, yeah. fighting seven golden monks that are look like they're painted gold. I mean, how can you beat that? That's great. Uh, you've met a lot of. You mentioned Rob Zombie. I mean, clearly in your career, you've you've had a chance to meet or work with people like George Burns, Vincent Price, Miss Piggy. Who, who's, yes. Who? And John Lennon. Who? Who's knocked your socks off? Who? Being Alice Cooper, who did you say? Wow, I can't believe I'm in the same room with this person right uh, now. Well, it's people like Salvador Dali, you know, Groucho Marx. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about. You know, I, I'm pretty sure that there are aliens on this planet. You know, and you have to kind of look, the way you find them out is you look at each category and say, who is, like, number one in this category, and who is so much better than second place that it's not even funny? Then you start getting, well, okay, Tiger Woods, probably Alien. The Beatles, definitely. I mean, there's no two ways about that one. Yeah, and they were were a big influence on you, right? Well, everybody. There's nobody in music that wasn't influenced by the Beatles. That's true. You know, uh, if they tell you they weren't influenced, they don't even know they were influenced by them. Even death metal bands were influenced by the Beatles. Which I think is something that's happening with you, and I think you've made reference to it, but I mean, there's clearly bands like Kiss and Marilyn Manson, and even like Twisted Sister, actually went out and said, you know, you're an influence on me. But there's Well, yeah, I mean, they, they basically Kiss said, if one Alice works, then four ought to work. Absolutely. I mean, that was pretty obvious. And same thing with Marilyn Manson. I mean, you know, I think Marilyn just looked around and said, okay, look, Alice will always be the consummate villain. He'll be Rock's, you know, sort of like uh, resident villain. But for this generation, who's the villain? And there really wasn't one. Right. So he said, I'll be that villain. And so he created his own, you know, character, which is fine. I mean, but if you look at the shows, our show's nothing like Marilyn Manson. Our music really isn't anything alike. The only thing that's really similar is the fact that he has a woman's name, wears a lot of makeup, and he does everything he can to upset parents. Right. But I was even thinking as far as, like, the Britney Spears and Madonna Janet Jackson-style tours. I mean, you you really put on the first kind of rock show oh, yeah. of that caliber. Oh, yeah. Nobody did, nobody did uh, production before us. That was the thing that, in a lot of ways, got us in trouble in the beginning. And being in trouble is what made us big. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, we were like the first ones to get banned in America. We got banned in Europe. We got banned in England. As soon as you get banned, your record goes right to number one. <laughs> it's just, you know, uh, we we couldn't get... And the funny thing was, is I would go in and I'd say, okay, well, come to the show and show me where we're banned. Just tell me what part of the show we're banned for. And they would come to the show and they would see it. And I'd say, was it the nudity? There's no nudity in our show. Right. Was it the language? There's no bad language in our show. Satanic? There's nothing satanic in our show. And they go right down the list and they couldn't name anything. It was just the all-in-all essence of Alice. Yeah. It just was so unnerving. I think what bothered them was the fact that they enjoyed it. Right. You know, and they sat there and they said, well, we're not supposed to really enjoy this kind of thing. And you say, what kind of thing? It's a rock and roll show. And Alice is Captain Hook. All these Peter Pans are over here, and here's Captain Hook, the king of the monsters, you know. Absolutely. And I think that the thing about Alice is the more 
the more arrogant villain that he has in it, most uh, villains should be arrogant. I mean, every villain I've ever seen in every good movie is, is really a guy that thinks he's unbeatable. Well, that's Alice. I don't go out there with the attitude of, boy, I hope this audience likes me. Right. I go out there with the attitude of, this audience is mine. Right. I've always I mean, liked the incongruent nature, too, that Alice, I mean, on the albums at least, you have this character that's doing vicious things in certain songs, and then you've got something like, I'm always chasing rainbows. Right. And it's so absurd that it just works for me. You know, I can just, I can... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's all of a sudden a, a, a side of Alice that you go, where did that come from? Right. Well, that's so funny because I just listened to that the other day. We, uh, we were on the bus playing poker, and uh, I put on the Hell album, and <laughs> that song came up, and everybody went, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of where did that come from, I have two uh, more questions for you. On, okay. on This is kind of unrelated to music. You have a restaurant now. Yeah. How did that happen? And how many are there? Is there more than one now? Alice um, now? There's two. And, uh, you know, I mean, just, it was just something that just came along. And uh, I just kind of went, okay, yeah, that, that sounds like a great idea. Not with really not much input into it, except that, I mean, you know, it is a rock venue. I mean, Dio's playing there next week. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it only holds about 11, maybe 1,200 people outdoor show. But, I mean, I, I always wanted it to be a local hangout for local bands. Mm-hmm. I always wanted it to be a place where bands could hang out and play, local groups. Because there was never a place where local bands could really just come in and kind of play and get better. But on top of it, the restaurant ended up being the best restaurant, the best barbecue in town. So without me sitting around going, oh, let me see what the menu's going to be, you know, I could care less. I, all I said, as long as it's quality, that's all I care about. But it's, I mean, it's sports and rock and roll. The Seattle audience would be interested to know about one of our you know, former Mariners. Randy Johnson. Yes, he has we his own... have We have a two-foot hot dog on the menu called the Big Unit. That's awesome. So every time that anybody orders it, the alarms go off, the sirens go off, and, and if we win best hot dog of the year every year. Uh, Randy's one of my partners, so yeah. I play golf with Randy, and I see Randy all the time. That's awesome. And am I, am I thinking wrong here? Does he play drums or something? Yes, he does. He's a frustrated drummer. <laughs> Of course, like Mike Piazza is, too. So you might see these guys at Alice Cooper's Well, that's town. one of the things that kind of brought me to that. I, I thought, you know, I don't know one guy in rock and roll that doesn't want to be on a team. And I don't know one guy that plays professional sports that doesn't want to be in a rock band. Right. I said, so why, not we, why don't we combine rock and sports together and just make the best barbecue in town and make it so when you walk in, there's a like a Randy Johnson Cy Young Award, and then there's a Rolling Stones guitar. I have not had the pleasure yet, but I'm going to make a trip to Phoenix. Yeah, in Phoenix. Go to the one in Phoenix, because the there's one in Phoenix and one in Cleveland. Now, you're all, you've launched a radio show now. You have a radio career as a host, as a DJ. Yeah, I said, as long as it's not work, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, um, and the only reason I, I, I took it was because of the fact that it really only takes about five hours out of my week. Okay. Uh, it's a five-hour show every night, but I tape it. Right. So yeah, I get everything scripted. I have a couple of writers. One guy works for Saturday Night Live, and... They write the bits, and then I go and I edit them, and I write bits back. And then I play all these classic rock pieces, but it, it occurred to me that everybody I play, I know. It's not like, you know, I go, ooh, right. here's Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd used to live with us. So you have a story behind yeah, every song. Yeah, you know, we used to be starving together in a, in a house in Venice. And so I knew Pink Floyd. I've seen them in their underwear. How's that? <laughs> was the underwear pink? It wasn't pink, okay. and it wasn't clean. <laughs> So, because back then, nobody's underwear was clean. But, I mean, at the same time, it, 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 so when I play a Pink Floyd song, I'm not in awe of Pink Floyd. I'm not in awe of the Stones. I'm, I'm not in awe of the Beatles. Because, you know, I, I'm on a different level because I know these guys personally. So when I say something, I can actually come in with more of a, maybe a little more cynical attitude. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I, I, I do come in from a much better perspective than most DJs do. It seems to be working because he started out, or like, I checked one time he had like two affiliates and now it looks like it's grown quite a bit. About 30 30 or something. We're expecting to get 100, you know. That's awesome. Uh, But I mean, the show is fun. I keep it fun. And I let the audience, I mean, I'll play Frank Zappa, I'll play the Stooges, I'll play MC5, I play all the people that, that other people won't play. Is there a point? Is, I mean, you're busier than ever. You got your finger in all these things. You golf a lot. You do a lot of charity work. Yeah. Is there a point where you're just going to pull the plug and like retire, Alice, or are you just going to do it till you drop? If I ever wake up and go, you know, I'm too tired to do any of this stuff, then I will. But I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, kinetic. 
I wake up, I, I sleep about five hours a night, and I wake up in the morning looking for something to do. Well, and yeah. so when I have like five or six months off, that's when they mentioned the radio show, and I said, I got tons of time. <laughs> you know, let's do it. And so now that I'm out on the road for five months or four months, they're going, well, what about the radio show? And I said, well, let's do it from the road. I mean, that's let's cool. do one show from Italy, the next show from Budapest, the next show from and kind of Moscow. It. And that's great. The audience gets to go on the road with you. That's awesome. All right, I don't want to take more of your time. I, I thank you. Okay. It's been a pleasure. All right, and I'll see you back at the show. So I think that was 2004, Eyes of Alice Cooper tour. And if you're a fan, you already know that the Alice Cooperstown in Phoenix has closed. And I think a lot of businesses uh, around that area closed their doors. So I, I think it was a matter of location and circumstance more than a reflection of the restaurant. And I could have edited that part out, but I kept it in there because of the story about uh, Randy Johnson. Anyway, that was fun to hear again, but we're not done yet. Let's uh, go back to Latricia Lenhart, founder of the Alice Cooper Army on Facebook, and see how you do. See how you would answer my would-you-rather questions. All right, Alice Cooper, would-you-rather, and then I'll let you go unless you have something else to uh, add. Anything else from the Facebook group? Have you made, like, friends on there that you've kept in touch with or outside of the group or, or people you've met in real life now that you originated in the group? I have actually. Uh, the farthest one I can think of, I actually met in person and we were thick as thieves, was from Canada. I live in Maryland, so we actually became friends with uh, Alice Cooper music. We talk about it all the time. And at some point we had him visit me and then I visited him and it was it was this big thing. I, I think he's been down here three times, and I've been up there twice. That's really cool. But yeah, tons of friends from the Army. Yeah, I love that it exists. Again, you know, I, I'm mostly hearting people's pictures or giving them the thumbs up or whatever, but uh, it's really, it's a it's a cool group. I love seeing stuff that I've never seen before, which as you, like we've discussed, it's not necessarily easy to do at this point yeah. in the obsession, but they managed to do it. Oh, and the original artwork that people get and the tattoos. and Yeah. All of that stuff. Um, Alice Cooper, would you rather? You thought I made you think before, Latricia. Now you're really going to have to think. <laughs> would you rather drive Alice Cooper's bus, but you don't get to see the shows? Or you get to go to every show, but you have to get there on your own and pay for it on your own? Oh, God. That's a catch-22 because <laughs> I'm an anxious driver. <laughs> I don't like driving to places I've never been. Oh. So I'd be stuck doing that either way. That's true. Well, if the option to get to the concert to pay for them would be having someone else drive, as long as I can give them gas money, I'm all for that. Um, it would be nice to drive the bus. You could talk to the, the Alice. You could talk to the members. You can get behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you might. I mean, you pretty much be friends with, friends with them by the end of the tour, you know. Yeah. I haven't been able to see them in person since. I think it was 2013 was my last concert. So I'm really hurting for a live show. So yeah, that, you are. that's a hard question. If I could go to, if I had the money to go to every show, then yes, I, that would be my option. I would pick that. If you, if I go to another show though, in the next year or so, and you would ask me that question again, I de I definitely say driving the bus. I got to drive. I'd rather drive the bus. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I haven't, uh, I mean, I have seen him, I guess a lot in recent years, but I, if you're like me, you see the photos on Instagram or wherever, Facebook, Alice Cooper Army, uh, of the giant babies or baby that they've incorporated recently. And yeah. I'm so jealous that I haven't <laughs> got... That's like the coolest thing I've seen in years uh, on one of his shows. And I'm so jealous that I haven't gotten to experience that yet. I've, I've been in the same boat. I've been scrolling through the Army, what was it, I think last week, and I was seeing all the new stuff that that he's been incorporating is just like, I hate you guys. I love you guys, <laughs> but I hate you guys so much. Yeah. Uh, would you rather get guitar lessons from Nita Strauss or Michael Bruce? Oh my God. Uh, so the uninitiated, Michael, uh, the original Alice Cooper guitarist, and Nita, just the powerhouse stage presence, shredder, uh, modern day guitar hero. Yeah, I would probably go for Nita. Just because I feel like we're closer in age and I feel like it would be easier for me to follow her instruction. She might have more patience than Michael <laughs> because he's been better at it longer than she has. Right. So he might 
he might be grouchy if I make mistakes. Right. Um, yeah, well, thank for, and she has that guitar program. I actually purchased it because it was on some mega sale, but I have not, I have not taken a lesson yet. <laughs> so that's where I'm at with my Nita Strauss guitar lessons. Would you rather get rid of one Alice Cooper album? Like you got to eliminate one from your collection or you can keep all your Alice Cooper, but you have to get rid of the rest of your music. Um, hmm. That's a difficult choice too. Yeah, they're all difficult. Because there's music that, I really love that isn't Alice that I have. Yeah. Uh, but this is I, your. Co- I'm gonna sound like a heathen saying this, but I'm gonna say get rid of one album. It would be pretty for you, and then I'd keep everything else. I'm with you on that. <laughs> I would keep my Alice. I mean, if it came down to it, I would keep all my Alice and get rid of everything else for sure. Because it's the collection. It's the stuff I own. Like you can still find. There's still the radio. I don't know. There's still. <laughs> An outlet for other stuff. Um, would you rather go on tour with Alice during the Billion Dollar Babies tour or go on tour with Alice now? Mm. Now, Billion Dollar Babies, I think he was drinking not quite as much as he was during that period. But I would say now. I just I feel like he has more energy now than he did then. Yeah. I know, hard to imagine watching all the concert footage, but I don't know. He's in a better health state at this point. So I'd, I'd have to say now I'm with you. Not Plus, to mention all the other. Stuff. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. And I love Nita and, and Tommy and Ryan and all that. And, and uh, Chuck, mm-hmm. Chuck and like the whole band. I keep leaving out uh, our friend Glenn Sobel, but <laughs> and there's no, one to, I don't know why that is. Yeah. I would, I would pick now as well. I think his, the other thing about that is I think so I, cause I started going to his shows with the constrictor album and I think his voice is better now than it was 20 or 30 years ago. Like his his lower register, he's been using a lot more in yeah. concert, and it sounds just as strong as ever. Yeah, I would say his voice is more consistent than it was then. Yeah. For sure. You get to switch identities now. Would you rather be Shep Gordon oh. or Bob Ezrin? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Bob Ezrin. They're both great. Bob Ezrin, just for the artistic side of things, he's the one that gave Alice Cooper his original direction in which to create his signature style. So, yeah, Bob Ezrin. Yeah, me too. I mean, I love playing with sound and music anyway, so that makes sense for me. Um, I would hang out with Bob Ezrin for a day. God, what a treat that would be. Oh, yeah. I love the fact that they're all still doing this together, though, which says a lot about all three of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you rather have a botched Alice Cooper tattoo or a beautiful sleeve of artists that you aren't a fan of? <sighs> botched Alice Cooper tattoo. <laughs> Spoken like a true fan. Uh, final question. I'm not going to get something I'm not big on. I, I, yeah. <laughs> not a Pat Boone sleeve of no. tattoos. <laughs> no, no, no. No. Final question. Would you rather be Alice Cooper for a day or Alice's caddy for life? Mm-hmm. That's a tough decision, too, because if I just get the day, it's like I go back to my regular life and it's like, well, what if I like that better? <laughs> um, I'm, I mean, I think wow. any one of us would like it better. I can say regardless of how great your life is. Oh, yeah, I can safely say that. For sure, I'd like either better. I'd say caddy for life just because you could. he, he plays golf almost every day. Yeah. And you'd get to have a conversation with him every day. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent on that one as well, and it's a it's a better uh, it's a better deal because it's a lifetime guarantee, I guess. Um, yeah, very good. Uh, we'll wrap things up. Do you, do you have anything that you wanted to put out there to the to the world about the group, or put out there to the group itself? Basically, you know, if you're not a member, go ahead and and find us on Facebook. Uh, we take in just about every. If you're a fan, we take in. We're just basically trying to get everybody together. That way, everybody has somewhere to go. I, I don't want anybody that's a fan to feel alone because, you know, they're brothers, they're siblings, they're friends. Nobody likes the same music they do. That's basically why I created the, the, the group in the first place, just for everybody to have somewhere to go, make friends and not feel so isolated. That's good. I love that. That's perfect message to end on. Love ending on the positive message. I will say... Hopefully this doesn't ruin that thought. I will say that there's such a variety of Alice Cooper music. Knowing the person you're talking to, you could certainly find a song that they would like. 
You know what I mean? And then you can like you can bait and switch them. <laughs> you, you start them out with how you're going to see me now, and then you pull them into the Black Widow or something. I don't know. It's funny. I did that with my mother. Um, going back to that situation, she had a band of Alice Cooper music in the house. So when I became a fan, I was playing her the ballads and the real, real deep songs. And she became a fan of those. And then I slipped in everything else. <laughs> and she didn't remember having the band in the house. I actually successfully converted her into becoming a fan. She'd watch the DVDs with me and she'd listen to the music with me in the car. I love that. <laughs> I never made my mom a fan, but uh, I can't believe what she put up with driving me around in the car back in the day. Like <laughs> She had to listen to a lot of Alice and other stuff. Latricia, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Be safe, be well. You too. Fun conversation with Latricia. I think it went pretty well. It, very nice of her to agree to do that. I just reached out cold. Said, hey, hey, do you want to talk to me for like an hour about Alice Cooper? I mean, who wouldn't agree to that immediately and with no questions? Anyway, if you found your way here simply because of Alice Cooper, thank you for listening. Next week, it is back to headlines and punchlines, showbiz news, another really good interview. Uh, I've got some in the can. Uh, we could, it could be a Letter Kenny episode. Could learn something about the world of voiceover. Or it might be another comic. I guess you'll have to hit that subscribe button to find out. Anyway, thanks so much. We'll talk to you next episode. Be safe, be well, be kind to others. And you know what? Don't wait until somebody uh, gives you permission to do something great. Pick yourself. You've been listening to The Daily Detour, a production of Basic Bits, LLC, hosted by Dan Roberts. Music by Quickie. And I'm your announcer, Libet Wolf. New episodes drop Monday through Friday. Subscribe now so you never miss a moment. And we'll chat with you next time. Hey!